0: What up, world? It's your past first point, card, and trail Blazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Every single day, it's free on all platforms, Monday through Friday, coming at you every single weekday, so make it a part of your daily routine and tell your friends to do the same as Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we are talking about the Blazers' bounce-back win, a win you had to have, and they went and got it. They beat down a bad Spurs team after... Well, let's say a challenging first two and a half quarters for the old Trail Blazers defense, but they got the win. That's what matters. Talk about that game and some standout performances from some Blazers role players that I think um, are going to be crucial for them moving forward. And then we'll close the show talking about a trade. The uh, Los Angeles Lakers acquire Rui Hachimura from the Washington Wizards. And I think that trade has some implications that can apply to your Trail Blazers in the near end medium future here in the next uh, 17 days or so before the NBA trade deadline. But first, let's do what we do. Fastest recap in the West. The Blazers win 147-127 over the San Antonio Spurs on Monday night at the Moda Center. It was high scoring. Neither team played even a small amount of defense in the first half. Blazers led 40-38 after one. It was tied at 74. Four at halftime. The Spurs were shooting 59.5% at halftime. Just a, just a shade ahead of the Blazers who were shooting 55.1%. Portland, a couple more free throws, one more made three. That's your tie ball game at 74. And this game was close until about midway through the third quarter. Portland was up six, excuse me, up four with uh, just over six minutes remaining and then closed the quarter on a 26-12 burst to outscore San Antonio by 14 over the, fi- the second half of the third quarter. They outscored them all told in the third, 45-27. They took a 119-101 lead in the fourth quarter, and then that was that. That was it. Was Spurs never got within single digits? San Antonio is, a, is one of the truly bad basketball teams in this league, and the Blazers, after kind of messing around for a little bit, made sure they knew it. They cruise in the end, 147-127. Damian Lillard, 37 points, 12 assists, was 12 of 19 from the field, seven of 11 from three, hit all six of his free throws. 37 and 12 in 31 minutes is a that's a game that's an offensive game that's pretty impressive uh Anfrey Simons 26 points 9 of 15 from the floor 4 of 7 from the free throw line didn't have many secondary stats Yusuf Nurkic big old box score night for Yusuf Nurkic Big old box score night. Twenty-five points, eleven rebounds, seven assists, three steals. Uh, the Blazers did this basically without Jeremy Grant doing anything. Did not make a shot in the first half. Went one of nine from the field. Made a, three, a three-pointer in the third quarter. Finished with three points on one of nine shooting. Scored a, a buck forty-seven, and Jeremy Grant didn't had a had a straight-up bad basketball game. It didn't matter though because Shaden Sharp had nineteen off the bench, and a Little added ten. Josh Hart finished with nine points, five boards, four assists. The Blazers notably did not change the starting lineup. Maybe there was, um, you know, Chauncey Billups kind of halfway hinted okay, the team is considering some changes, and it felt like they absolutely had to after that Laker game, and guess what, they didn't do anything, they didn't change a single thing, they just played a bad basketball team, that really helped. On the Spurs side, Keldon Johnson, Keldon Big Body Johnson, one of the great nicknames, so we'll give it to him, 20 points, 4 boards, 18 from Jeremy Sohan, who also had 6 rebounds and 4 assists, Jakob Pertl, uh, foul trouble early, didn't, you know, had to sit early in the, in the, in the like didn't d- didn't get to play very much at all in the second half finished with 14 points and seven boards in just in under 16 minutes. Like um, this was a night where they had to play Zach Collins because the Blazers were just eating Jakob Pertle live and pick and rolls. And he was picking up fouls. Josh Richardson had 11 off the bench. Uh, the aforementioned Zach Collins finished with 13 off the bench. And uh, th- I mean, it was the-, the Spurs scored 127. They also had a bunch of dudes who scored. Uh, I thought Trey Jones was pretty good in this game for the Spurs, 12 points and seven assists. Uh, Was this a good game? (laughs) No, I don't know. No, it wasn't a good basketball game. Like the Blazers didn't play well. I I, like, I I think, I think you got to keep it, uh, keep it a million on this. Like I I would, I would like to be as honest as possible. I try to be, I'm not like, um, you know, I'm searching for my joy here. Um, and I'm searching for, to help you find some joy too, dear Blazer fan, if you're listening to this podcast, but like, they didn't play well in this game. 74 points in the first half to the Spurs. The Spurs were shooting uh, almost 70% from 3 in uh, in the midway through the third quarter. They were they were just lighting them up. Here's the thing. Three-point shooting is a little bit random, right? You, you know, you shoot the ball from 25 feet, it's um, there's only so much a defense can do. Some of it is just like luck. But the Blazers gave up a bunch of really clean looks. 17 of the first 19 three-pointers they took were catch and shoot. A lot of them in the corner. Uh, they were they were that uh, catch and shoot, courtesy of, of Corey Jones on the Blazers broadcast. Thank you, Corey. But uh, like, the Blazers were giving up penetration, straight line drives, which is um, the side of maybe not playing much defense. Let a guy get st- drive straight to the rim. Straight line drive means you got to help because you didn't turn a guy. You he just got to you know you square shoulders and get downhill. Straight line drive means you got to help. If you got to help, it means you're going to help off the perimeter. Switch sides of the floor with the ball. You're gonna give up catch and shoot threes. The Blazers gave up a bunch of clean looks. Like they got, they got dusted on defense. This was this was like, this was a nightmare defensive game. Quite frankly, the first two and a half quarters, and then the Blazers. I don't even think they played much better on defense. They just the uh, their offense just kept going when the Spurs couldn't sustain this like, okay, we're going to win a shootout. You score 45 points in the third quarter and you win the game because you just we are our group is not going to stop scoring and the Spurs who are um bottom 5 in the league on offense, bottom 5 in the league on defense, truly one of the awful teams in the league on purpose. They play a bunch of young guys. They're they're playing for um something that is not winning basketball games this year. You may be familiar with it. It's a very tall he's a very tall person who plays in France right now, a teenager and living in Paris. But like yeah, I don't think this was a good basketball game. I don't think the Blazers played well. But it was only going to be notable if they lost. So like I I'm, I am not really in the here for nitpicking at this stage in the Blazers' career. Like I want to keep it real. Like I want to share my honest feelings, but like you think I, I T- tonight, this moment, this this segment is not here where I'm going to nitpick. I'm going to go the other way. I thought the Blazers had some role players like Shane Sharp and Izzy Little and Gary Payton who played really well off the bench. And if Portland is ever going to turn this around and play like multiple good games in a row and beat good teams, which will have a chance to do Wednesday against the Utah Jazz, yeah, like they're going to need these gentlemen to help them. So instead of saying like 127 to the Spurs is a nightmare and like it... I, <laughs> I don't think this is a good basketball game. Let's focus on the other side of the, of the, of the cooler, the cooler side of the pillow, because I do think Shane Sharp is really fun. Uh, I thought Nizir Little had a really good first shift. And I think Gary Payton just like continues to do helpful stuff. Let's talk about those three in the second segment. But first I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We've made it to the conference championships and I'm excited to tell you about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlays. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, basketball fans, sports fans in general, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Oh All right. Let's talk about some good stuff that happened in this game. It's a pro joy podcast. Let's find some joy. Here's my joy. In the first 15 minutes he was on the court, Shaden Sharp scored 17 points. Here's the thing about scoring 147. A lot of dudes get in on the action. You get 26 from Ant, 25 from Nurk. That's a cool 51. You get 37 from Dame. There's 88 points from three dudes in the starting lineup, and there's still space for Shaden Sharp to finish with 19 points and three boards off the bench. Um... Seventeen points in his first fifteen minutes, though. Like he played at the end of the game, um, with the Blazers like mop up duty crew, uh, the end of the bench crew, and um, they looked like a a group of gentlemen that don't play a lot of NBA basketball very regularly. Uh, But like Sharp, he made his threes. Like it's he three or four from three. Like. I think a big number for him is 12 field goal attempts. 12 field goal temps is a really nice number. Be aggressive. Look for your shot. They found him for easy buckets in transition that are super fun, like threw him a couple of lobs where it's just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> no, no one else is catching that one. He got one in transition with the lob was thrown a little bit behind him at like 11 and a half feet. He went and caught it and dunked it all in one motion, like well above the rim, looking down at the rim from like his nose is above the rim and he's looking down at it as he dunks. Like he's dude, dude flies. But more importantly, he made his three pointers and was mostly ready to shoot. Actually, the one he missed, he was three or four from three. The one he missed, he should have shot it when he caught it. Instead, he uh, pump faked, took a dribble, and then took a harder three pointer from the corner. If he shoots that right away, it's it's not maybe not going in, you know. Even wide open shots going a little less than half the time, but like, yeah, uh, he's not quite ready to shoot. Still, still the stuff that that is a little bit troublesome with him. But I, he just he's he has been so he has improved so much after a rocky December. And this was a game where it's just like let's just just have the young man see the ball go in. Um, it's they are. They're playing him because he deserves minutes and because the rest of the roster, there's like not someone who's like clearly better than him at 19. Um, and he needs NBA seasoning and against a bad NBA team like Spurs, a perfect time to get Shaden Sharp loose. You really hope that, you know, he's not gonna score 17 in 15 minutes. Like, I I don't think that's the goal with him. But like to push him up to like have nights where he scores 12 or 14 against better teams. I think that's the goal. And one way to do it is just to be able to have him watch film of positive things of, like, yeah, this is how you score. You see how you attack quickly off the catch here. You see how you work the baseline here. You see how you can go get an easy rebound on this play. You can get out in transition. Um, you know, like, more positive film reinforcement for him that he can watch can help. Um, yeah, I think he's been better. I think he's been noticeably better, and this was a really... I mean, he's, like, he's incredibly fun. Even if he, even if he like, is a rookie who has rookie struggles, he's outrageously fun. In this game, he was pretty darn fun. A couple other uh, role players that I think were, were were, were darn good for the Blazers. Nazir Little had seven points in that first quarter. He played six minutes in the first quarter. I thought he might start in this game or at least like get more minutes than he did. Um, he's still playing that somewhere between like you know, the 15- to 18-minute range. Um, he didn't play mop-up duty, so it's kind of 18 minutes in the normal run of play, but he, he had seven points in that first shift in the first quarter. So he played six minutes in the first quarter, had seven points, uh, finished with just 10. But like, made both his threes he's you know he's making multiple threes in games he looks confident shooting the ball i think that's a really big thing with with nas is that sometimes um you know his his three point shot used to be a lot flatter and sometimes i think he would rush it and then you rush a shot with a lot of not a lot of arc you shoot him short um i think he's he's really developed better looking stroke when he's when he gets when he gets his feet under him and gets to shoot it with confidence he's um he looks really good shooting the ball right now, and and quite frankly, I would say he is very different from Shane Sharp, and Shane Sharp could benefit from watching these Nas minutes. Nas is like very much ready to shoot when he is on the wing, foul line extended at the the slot, as some as some folks call it. Uh, like he's ready to shoot the ball, and if and if you're going to space there in the way it works, like if you're not involved in pick and rolls, which. Uh, Nas really isn't. He's not a screen setter. He's not going to run many pick and rolls. So he's going to be spaced opposite the ball, or spa- or be like filling in um, when the- when pick and rolls are run, or when high, sc- high screen actions are run, or handoffs are, r- are run. He's going to fill in um, or lift, raise to that spot on the slot to- for spacing reasons. And you got to be ready to shoot the ball. And Nas has absolutely been ready to do that. Um, he finished with three assists and a couple boards. If Nas develops some secondary skills, like um, he's not a very good passer right now, but he's not terrible. Like he can drive and see opposite. Okay. He's not like making high level passes, but pump fake drive, see opposite. And if you shoot, close out, get to the middle of the paint, he's pretty good at little uh, mid range pull-ups. If you have that, mixed with like being able to see the corner and the other wing Um, yeah like some playmaking skills would really take Nas's game to the next level he doesn't have a super tight handle that's a hard thing to improve in season but I think passing is something you can improve based on feel, seeing defenses how they guard you a bunch of times you can um, you can actually I think in season that's a skill you could probably can improve just by playing a little bit more just comfort comfort with like when I drive here's where the help usually comes from when the help usually comes from my guys are here and here I get to make a decision I can look off and pass here, I can I can make this pass always, I can make this secondary pass. Like I, I think Nas adding some of those skills can really can can really help. Um, and, and the last role player before I sort of get to my overarching point here is I thought, uh, Gary Payton was, was really, um, not like great in this game. Right. Um, and his box score probably, I, I feel like Nurk was a lot worse than his box score. I feel like Nurk didn't like monster box score game, but I don't think he played very well. He just like in the third quarter, got him easy pick and roll buckets because Zach Collins, um, God bless him, could not guard Nurk to save his life. And Nurk knew it. And he just started getting a bunch of easy layups. Um, it's like, it's weird to say, I don't think a guy played well when he had 25, 11 and seven. Um, I don't think he was bad. I just don't think he played 25-11 and 7 good. I think his box score uh, belies kind of his his overall effectiveness and I think uh, Gary Payton is on the other side. Like I think his box score um, doesn't quite speak to how how useful Gary Payton is. He just he's just good at stuff. He's a really good connector on both ends of the floor. He'll, you know, he'll deny, he'll deny the ball on defense and allow other guys to play up because he's in the passing lane and then, you know, you you know that Gary's going to lock down his man so you don't have to help Certainly off the ball when guys are cutting through because Payton is really aware and all those things. Um, he he keeps he keeps the glue together a little tighter on defense. Not that Blazers played any defense in this game, or, and Gary Payton doesn't deserve much credit for that particularly, but like broader, broad broad broadly speaking, he does that pretty well. But on offense, like he just moves the ball really well. He taps out rebounds. he 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 got to a loose ball and kept it alive, got to a long rebound and and continued to possession. He just he, he's he knows where to be. He doesn't always look for a shot. and I think that can be maybe a little bit troubling when he's at the three point arc because teams know he's not going to shoot. and the blazers having another player on the floor who who teams don't have to guard on the perimeter is just like, can probably going to get a little messy unless you go super small and, and don't have uh, Gary Payton in there with, with a Nurk or a Drew Eubanks or a Josh or a Josh Hart, or at least only uh, small. So you can all attack with spaces or attack off the dribble, at least um, in, in theory, but like he moves the ball really well. He just does smart stuff on offense. He's still a really good screener and he rolls in, into space out of screens, cuts into space to become available for passes. Like he just does role player stuff really well. Um, you know, he, he probably can't scale up to being beyond what he is, but he does his job very, very well. And that's useful. And I feel like that's, this game wasn't like, this game is a game you need to win. This isn't like a proof of concept type game. Um, I think giving a, a buck 27 to the San Antonio Spurs is proof of another concept, but not like of the Blazers sort of like, okay, if they play like this, they'll win They're like this against other teams, they'll lose by a lot. Cause they'll give up a thousand points. Um, but like, if they're going to be at any point this season good and like i'm i'm maybe beyond um that level of optimism but if they are if 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 it ever looks like this is a good team nas gp and Shaden and sharp are the guys off the bench who i think are going to key what they can be um nas eventually i want him to play more uh gary Payton played what did he play 18 minutes i thought he played a little more than that yeah 1805. oh5 i thought he played nineteen but I shorted him or I gave him an extra 55 seconds. Uh, like I would like to see him play a little bit more. So in general, Josh Hart doesn't play as much. Even if Josh had played the final, um, his normal stretch, he would have only played like 33 minutes. So I think, I think we're, if, if Josh plays more like 28, you bump up a little more, a little more Gary Payton, a little more Nazir Little. Um, eventually when Justice Winslow comes back, I'd like to see them play funky small lineups and just try it. Um, you know, it's not ideal. It's not always going to work. And against some teams, it's going to be totally impossible. But like, I want them to get there. And I want Shaden Sharp to become a bomber from three. I want him to become... His shot looks so good when he's like, when he's really... When he's ready to shoot and is on balance. Really, really good shooter. He has a couple of nice pull-up moves and obviously the dunks and stuff. But like... um, I want Shaden Sharp to become a bomber. I want him to come. I do want him to just apps. I want him to shoot when he's in the game. I want him to shoot something like seven threes. Um, that's a lot if he's only going to play twenty minutes. But like, I want him when he catches it from beyond the arc to be ready to shoot and to shoot it because I think he, I think he can shoot. I think he can go like three of seven every night. Um, two of seven, no problem if he gets him up and gets and shoots when he has a chance. Um, I really want him to shoot a bunch. I want more Gary Payton in the lineup. I want more your Little in the lineup. But the Blazers are gonna be good. Those three guys are gonna key what is makes them special. And I think tonight you saw little little glimpses of it, even if like it comes with um, you know, the 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 biggest, biggest, biggest grain of salt, the largest and loudest caveats, a huge asterisk, all of those things. Was it Mark Echo who's gonna asterisk the Barry Bonds ball? It was a Mark Echo ass a- a- asterisk on, on, on this basketball tonight. Um, but in any case that's sort of the formula. Like you can see it through the mist, see it through the clouds a little bit out there in McCovey Cove. You can figure it out. Like Barry Bonds hitting a steroid-juiced 74th home run. Uh, in any case, I want to talk about trades. The, the your Los Angeles Lakers, um, who you despise because you're, you're, you're that type of Blazer fan. They made a trade. They traded for Rui Hachimura. I think, um, let's talk about what that trade means for them, what that trade means for the Blazers, and what that trade means for the rest of the league in the third segment. Join me there, won't you? Still a pass, first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on the Lasers. Let's talk trades. The Lakers made a trade today. They acquired Rui Hachimura from the Washington Wizards in exchange for a couple second-round picks. And Kendrick Nunn, point guard Kendrick Nunn. Um, Nunn was, you know, he has some offensive skills, but he's uh, kind of he duplicates a lot of some of the skills the uh, Lakers already have and he's not as good. He's a straight up bad defender. And if they're going to play other point guards, like you can get more out of Schroeder and Pat Bev combination. And um, they they just need to get bigger on the wing. So they went and got Rui Hachimura who was uh, rumored to be available. At one point, the asking price for Rui Hachimura was hopefully first round type of pick. He ends up going for a couple seconds and salary filler. That's what none is. None is not like a piece of the future in Washington. Actually, I should, Add a caveat there as well. I have no idea what the Wizards are doing ever. Uh, it's been, you know, since they won the title in 1978. I think basically since then, I haven't known what the Wizards are doing. Um, and I wasn't even born yet. So, like, maybe Kendrick Nunn is like their point guard of the future. <laughs> Who knows? But a real team treats him as salary filler. Um, you're getting second round picks and you're just, you knew you weren't going to resign Hachimura in the summer. So you're getting something for him. Uh, a couple things on this Blazers have, they don't have a first round pick in this or a second round pick in this draft, but they do have multiple second round picks in a couple future drafts, 2024 and 2026 can, you know, conceivably they could have gotten in on this, but if the Blazers are trading for Rui Hachimura, they're giving up justice Winslow. I don't think I'm, I'm not a big Hachimura believer. I think he's a um, a dude who can pretty much only contributes on the offensive end, and I don't think he's a particularly f- efficient offensive player. That combination doesn't seem to be great for what the Blazers need, although they could use more offense. Would Hachimura for Winslow be a okay swap? Sure, sure. But I'm not surprised the Blazers didn't get in on it because what you're actually trading when you trade Winslow for Hachimura is you're trading, you know, whatever, 35 games of Rui Hachimura and the right to pay him this summer, like his bird rights, his restricted free agent rights. Does that appeal to Portland? No, I don't know. <laughs> I would say no. I, I have no problem. Like I know whenever anyone like notable, particularly someone who's drafted 10th overall gets traded, it's normal for fan bases and every other team, not just blazer fans, I'm not singling you out blazer fan, every other team to be like, why didn't we do that? I know who that is. I know number former number 10 overall pick Zags legend, Rui Hachimura. Like sure. Um. Yeah, but I, I I'm not for me. I'm just not a fan of his game. So I like I'm to me it's fine. The Blazers passed on him. I think he'll probably help the Lakers. Okay. Um. But he's such a mid range guy. Like I know they want him to be a catch and shoot guy. And LeBron has made a lot of players into good catch and shoot players. So maybe he'll just magically do it because he's um at worst the second best basketball player of all time. So like yeah maybe it'll be he'll be fine. And they definitely need some size on the wing. Um. So it's it's an okay trade. And I think it's an okay trade. That the Blazers we're not involved in, right? Like it's, it's fine on both ends. I probably, he'll probably help the Lakers and um, I wouldn't have been wild about it. Although it'd be fun to have some new shiny parts. If you're the Blazers, why not? I think what this really means is a couple different things. A couple different different um, has implications in a couple different spots. One, the Lakers are going to be a few teams. They weren't going to quite have max money but they were going to have like 30 ish million dollars this summer who could conceivably have been a landing spot for Jeremy Grant. So Grant is probably not going to sign a contract extension with the Blazers because his contract extension is only about $28 million annually. He can probably make more money than that in free agency this summer. He's been really good apart from a, a bad shooting night against the Spurs. So, uh, you know, when you're looking around, it's like, what are good teams that could entice Jeremy Grant to go there? And the Lakers were certainly one of them. But if Hachimura is there, both with his cap hold, because if he's a restricted free agent to keep him on the books, they have to keep him on the books, and so have a cap hold that'll eat into the Blazers' cap space. And if they plan to pay him, which, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, this deal included the Blazers or the Lakers' intention to pay Hachimura. Then that's you know another power forwardy type player who's going to eat into that money, meaning the Lakers will just have less, are, are one less suitor, and certainly a somewhat um, realistic potential suitor for for Jeremy Grant. I think that's good for the Blazers. I guess the only other team to really worry about is is um, Memphis, a very good basketball team that could conceivably win the NBA title this year. Also could have um, money to sign Jeremy Grant, um, and he would be really good there. Um, but, I mean, I, in general, like, I'm not, this isn't fear-mongering. I think Grant will get a whole bunch of money and remain a Portland Trailblazer. I don't think there's anything to worry about. But, like, if there is another fallout of this Hachimura trade is that it seems to take the Blazers out of the Jeremy, or the Lakers, excuse me, out of the Jeremy Grant running and one less team for the Blazers to actually worry about. The other thing that I think matters for Portland, and I think matters for the rest of the league here, is that this trade makes sense. This is like the right amount of... Hachimura is not a starting quality NBA player, but he's like a rotation-level player who was previously a a lottery pick. At some point after four seasons in the league, does it matter that you were a lottery pick? No. I I guess it matters for, like, tweets from newsbreakers or whatever, Like so Shams and Woj can describe you in in a glowing way. But, like... You know, this is like um, I'll give this. This is free professional advice that my father once gave me. At some point, it just matters what you do, not what you did. Like, what are you doing right now? It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter that you were the tenth pick. It matters what you've done since you've been the tenth pick. Um, So, yeah, like I, I think for a rotation level forward who can score a little bit in the league, uh, who was, who was the team didn't want to keep him. A couple second round picks is about the right price. And I think that helps because it resets the realistic, you know, what is like an okay player go for on the market. An op- okay player shouldn't go for it like a late first. Um, a late first round pick is more valuable than what Rui Hachimura brings. It's more valuable than Rui Hachimura's bird rights, in my humble opinion. Um, this is my podcast. These none of these opinions are humble. Um, some of them are wrong, but none of them are humble. Um, it's so like I think after the Go Bear trade that totally mucked up the whole, um, then mucked up the whole sort of trade ecosystem. I think the Rui Hachimura starts pulling, pulling everybody back towards reality. I think this helps. Um, am I giving Rob Polinka credit for, for bringing rationale back to the trade world? No, no, I'm not. Rob Polinka doesn't deserve credit for anything. Um, he had a championship level roster and he's like, um, systematically tore it down over two seasons uh, with the help of LeBron James, to be certain. But like, nah, he's not getting credit for me right now. Um, so I think this, in general, this will help the whole league. It'll help sort of um, maybe have, let us see more action for low-level trades at reasonable prices. I also think this gives you a sense of like, um, Justice Winslow gonna go for less if you're, if the Blazers are like trading, he's, you're not going to trade Winslow for picks or whatever. Like that doesn't make sense for the Blazers. They're going to need a player back in return. They're going to need a Kendrick Nunn type, but like, and I think Winslow is more equivalent to the Nunn in the trade than he is to the Hachimura, to be clear. But like, um, it's, it's, it gives you a sense of what a guy like a Josh Hart's market might be. It's not going to be super frothy. It gives you a sense of what, of, of what the Blazers you know, we've talked about this a bunch. or I've talked about this a bunch. You've listened to it a bunch on this podcast. It's like, it's not like they have a bunch of juicy trade chips. So, I, I think this helps set the market and gives you a realistic idea of what a good ask is. I think it's actually an okay trade for the Lakers. It's a good trade for the Lakers. Um, I think it's fine for the Wizards. But like, when you draft to do tenth overall, you're not hoping to turn him into two future second round picks in four years. That's not the. That's not. It's not the goal. No, it's nobody's goal. Um, The Blazers know that too well. They saw former 10th overall pick Zach Collins play for another team. You know what they turned him into? They let him walk for nothing. Turned him into nada. It happens. Okay, that's today's show. Guess what? Tomorrow's show is going to be a fun one. Uh, Nate Duncan of the Dunked On Podcast and Dunked On Prime all over all over these basketball internets joins, is joining the show. We'll talk about Shaden Sharp, talk a little bit about uh, the, what the Blazers should do ahead of the trade deadline. It's a really good show, good conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. So come back tomorrow, and we'll talk about that one. That this You are listening to Tuesday, January 24th show. Nate's gonna join the show on Wednesday, January 25th. Then on Thursday the or Wednesday night the Blazers play the jazz. So Thursday show we'll talk about that game. How's that sound? It's a pretty a pretty fun little fun little week ahead. That's what we do here. Daily podcast. five days a week, Monday through Friday available wherever you get podcasts. So tell your friends about it and make it your first listen every single day. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.